Okay, tonight we're going to do it on, tonight's lesson is on following your spirit. Now, if you've ever read the classical work or the classic work of Watchman Nee, on Body, Soul, and Spirit, he did a lot on the body and how so much of what we do is our flesh. You know, because if we cut you in two and took a look at you, Gabby, <laughs> you'd be like a tree that had rings on it. And the first layer of you is your body. And the second layer of you is your... Let me hear, Gabby, do you know the second layer? Your first layer is your body. Do you know what the next thing is inside of you? Uh, I feel like this is a trick question. Uh, no, not exactly a trick. But I'm going to go on that now. Just make it, yes, it doesn't matter. It won't be bad, I'm sure. I hope not. If it is, we'll always remember it. <laughs> I don't forget it. I was assuring you. I'm just going to, I don't know, like, I'm going to go blood, you know? Blood? Like, yeah. Yeah, blood, I'd put it in your body, like the yeah. flesh. Right. The next layer will be soul. Soul, okay. And in your soul, is your, like your personality your will, your emotions. It's what makes you fun or have a personality that carries the whole room. Now, you're quite shy and we never hear from you, but some, <laughs> but you know, bubbly personalities. Is so, so there's the body and then there's the soul realm. And the soul realm can be your emotions, but it's also your mental, your reasoning. And you go to heaven with two parts. What's your third part, Gabby? You want to make a guess? The third, so if you got body, soul, mm -hmm. you want to guess what that third part is? Mind? Mind fits in the soul. Um, oh, spirit? Spirit. You nailed it. Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so you got body, <laughs> soul, and spirit. And it looks like all indications is your soul gives you your individuality, <laughs> as well as you know your spirit, man, but... You go to heaven, both soul and spirit. And it's not that you don't have a body, it's glorified. That's still a little bit of a mystery. You know, Jesus had his scars, but he could pass through a door or a wall or, you know, it's real interesting. Okay, so you've got body, soul, and spirit. And the reason I was putting you on the spot is to see how much you know so that I know how much background to give you. Okay. So you'll remember this. So in this... You have a lot of teaching on your body. Like when you first get saved, I mean all your carnality. You know, everything that your body sins. But then next are your soulish sins. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I was so selfish or soulish. Or, you know, so you have your fleshy sins and you have your soulish sins. But then the third realm that you have is your spirit. And before you're born again, your spirit man is dead or dark. You know, there's just darkness in it. It's just dead. Always say it's starving like those little Ethiopian children over in Africa. Like some people, you've never fed your spirit. So it's this little bitty starvation thing inside of you. So when you get born again, you start feeding your spirit. Now, people feed their soul. Oh, that's, you know, romance and movies and poetry and music and... <laughs> but you can switch to music being of your spirit. So you've got different realms. We have three choices. Anyway, it's body, it's soul, and it's spirit. And what's funny is when I was working through Watchman Nee, oh my gosh, I found that it's so much easier to preach on sin than it is to preach on what's right. Some of the most difficult lessons are like a lesson on trust. Or a lesson on doing it right. That's why I thought my mom's book is kind of landmark. Because no one speaks on the good side of life. But boy, I can write a lot on your sin. On your carnal nature. And number one is it's just funny. I mean, sermons are good and funny. I mean, everybody goes, oh, I've done the fleshy side. Your mouth, your carnality. But what I noticed is there's not much on how to do it right. People can't develop that into very interesting sermons. So today, it's actually going to be on spirit, which at least when I read it years ago, I didn't get much out of what he said on the spirit man. And that may be why we don't walk in the spirit, follow the spirit, because of the fact it may be because we don't talk about it much. Like it's kind of hard to say, what is your spirit and what should he be doing today? 
how's your spirit doing, Robbie? You look in and you see how you're... <laughs> we can ask about your body. You can ask about yourself. Check your countenance, you know. Okay, so following your spirit. And because there's not much on it, it's kind of hard to explain. So I want y'all to pay attention on sermons of people because a lot of people do great sermons, but it's on your fleshy side, your mouth, your carnality. It's very seldom can people really nail it on the things that are out of your spirit, man. So this is where I thought we'd start this thing on following your spirit. And it started this morning with a conversation that we were having. Steph goes, well, sometimes you say this thing, check your spirit. And she started making reference to that. And I thought, well, the first thing I need to tell you is you need to locate your spirit. And based on a lot of the things in the Bible, I would say that your spirit is right here kind of in your core. You know how they say work on your core strength? It says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Old Testament, it talks sometimes about your kidneys. I get tickled at the word it uses. But your spirit man is here. Now, there's been a lot of scientific studies. I've read for and against this. But when a person dies, they say you actually weigh less because your spirit leaves. And I mean, they did all kinds of scientific experiments to see if they could prove it. But definitely you have your spirit in you when you have life. And then it departs. And then sometimes people have one of those things that their life leaves and they hover above the operating table and they're able to bring you back and the spirit goes right back into the body again. Your spirit is your living part of you. It's really unique. So I'm saying your spirit man is the primo, (laughs) the most important part of you. It is literally what you need to be checking in with. And that's the concept we're going to talk about is checking in with your spirit. Because it's one thing not to be saved and never knew you had a spirit or never feed your spirit. But it's terrible for you to have a life with Christ and not feed your spirit. And that's what causes what we were talking about Sunday. A lot of soulishness in the church. A lot of self. And it will give you that idea of how much soulishness is in the church. I mean, we're all worried about dipping you know and all these different things oh this person they're all worried about the body sins but really what's in the church is the soulish well Steph I will give you some pardons (laughs) on some stuff but okay so moving right along anyway you've got to find your spirit and you've got to check in with it that is your strength that is where the spirit of God lives that's when you got born again your spirit became alive to God The power of the Holy Spirit came into you. At the minute of the new birth, the Holy Spirit came into you. It's a beautiful thing to really realize I've got a spirit. And it lives in my body. And your spirit is what's beautiful. It is really, when you got born again, it 100% changed. Like your soul takes some washing and different things. Not your spirit. Your spirit went from dark to light. Your spirit completely is clean. Your spirit doesn't have darkness in it. Your spirit is where the Holy Spirit dwells. And if you have a demonic oppression or something coming after you, it's never in your spirit. Your spirit's clean. Hallelujah. It's nice to have one place in you. that, But it's demanding to be what really lives out of you. That's what has to shine out. That's where the light is. That's where the glory of God is. So I'm just going to say this is to be aware of it and don't be one of those Christians who never think of it and I do hope you never have where you you know you could be in a church and never hear a sermon on it never talk about this entity called spirit and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit I'm talking about your spirit man who now has the Holy Spirit in him you know it's a oh gosh it's that deep communion John 17 of we're one together you know it's just so many beautiful things So with all that we say about all the other stuff, it's so nice to know that your spirit is just a completely different new creature. Like all things have been made new. I mean, if we could live out of this area and think out of it, and I'm going to go even as far because I've wanted to talk on this, feel out of it. Oh, we're getting into the higher realms then of what you would look like as a spirit man 
if that was the base of how you made your decisions. So anyway, I'm going to tell you a story where I first heard the concept of checking in with my spirit, but we've done evangelism in a lot of different countries. And I know that fleshy, when I say, oh, we're going on a mission trip to Europe, everybody's like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we went to Ireland, and it's green, and there's castles, and it's romantic. Oh, do missions. It gives you another idea. Okay, so we were in Ireland. We'd worked hard all summer, and we went to evangelize Irish. And Irish teenagers, for the most part, are atheist agnostic. So we had a really rough day. I was not expecting it, but they came up to our van and they had had a cultural parade and now every kind of weird thing was out there. But my lens, they reacted to us having the Jesus film. We had started the day by going to the Muslim neighborhoods. Now this is way back there before the immigration happened, but there's whole neighborhoods in these European countries that are all Muslim. Mm -hmm. And the police were scared of them back then. So we went into the Muslim neighborhoods and we put door knockers on there, which was so nice. It had a little book of hope. And it was the sweet scriptures in the Bible. It's the ones you put on your refrigerator and, and you memorize. It's not any of the doozy scriptures. So we had the book of hope and we were putting them on their doors and we got told some very uh, strong things about don't ever come onto my property again. And, you know, just the Muslim evangelism is fun. It's called reality. And I have been in these countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just a lot. The food's good. The food's good. It's just Muslim evangelism is not a theory to me. I've done it in all different types of landscapes. After doing the Muslim evangelism, then the next thing that happened was that we went to this parade and we were handing out the Jesus film, and I wasn't expecting this from the Irish. I mean, these guys are like us, you know, the Irish neighborhoods in America. And they started taking our van and hitting it so hard they put dents in it. And they took our Jesus films and they broke them. Back then it was the VHS, and they broke them, and they put the tape, like, I mean... Miles of tape went down the parade roll. I mean, they were telling us, thank you for the gifts. It was just real sweet. And, and what they said about God doesn't need to be repeated. I didn't know that. I thought people here cuss, but nothing like British and Irish cussing. And our kids were shaking. And they had gone over there cute, good-looking, smart, and ready to just love on the Irish. And it wasn't how it went down. <laughs> The parents went to church, but not the kids. So we had had a day. They threatened to follow us home. They threatened to do all kinds of things about us. I'm just letting you know that your nerves were kind of on the end. And you were also, you know, I was taking responsibility for how many kids I had on the field. And you were like, hey, let's go again out tomorrow. And, you know, kids were telling me, teach me how to evangelize. And, you know, this was our environment. So I would just tell you, you know, if you can check... Europe or Australia, and that's where you feel like you want to go, I, I just tell you, go and may your flesh be happy because it, it's rough mission fields. I mean, they are not receptive. Third world countries sometimes are, sometimes not. You never know. So when we got back to the house, we were horrified by the scene we saw. They had been raising a lamb with their children, and the lamb, with its wool and everything, you could tell where the blood was around the throat that it looked like somebody had come and slit the lamb's throat. And it was just heavy caked blood and it was flowing. The girl who, you know, had invited us over there, the host, she was crying. She couldn't handle it. You know, she couldn't see what had happened, but you could definitely see the, the bloodline. And then we went to the front door and it was worse than that. They had thrown blood from one side to the other. I mean, the whole porch was covered in blood. The door, the, the ceiling, the ground. I mean, there was enough blood that you were wondering, is the dog dead inside? I mean, what are we facing? And I'll tell you what went wrong for me. I had taken a girl with me on this trip to Hill. And her husband, you'll see a placard for him on the campus, but he had been killed in the Wedgwood shooting. 
only a month before. Mm. And I said, come to Ireland and heal. So the love of her life, two years of marriage, Yanim had long enough to fight. She was madly in love with him. She had been in our Bible study. He hadn't. The people talked him out of how fun I was, and he didn't come. But anyway, he was just beginning to learn about his spiritual authority. And he said, but I'm going to give him some of my guns. And he was working out. They'd been studying Columbine films. And he goes, if they ever go to my church, I'll give them this. Natural. Body. He died shot in the back two or three times. He was running. I put a lot of word in her. She opened the door where the killer was and was taking two children and for some reason backed out. She was quoting Psalm 91 and said if it hadn't been for him, she knew it was a miracle. There was some complexity in her, if you can see, from one month. And it's that thing where we talked about God's not moved by need. It doesn't take much. But I was hurting for her. Yeah. So when she saw the scene, she was passing out in the van because of the blood. Come to Ireland, let's heal. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say it went against the atmosphere. I was just like, my gosh, it's we got to have prayer. So the wife called her husband and said, would you come help us? We're scared to go in the house. And he said these words. He said, did you check your spirit? He said, I don't discern that anything's wrong. It would go, <laughs> what he means, nothing's wrong. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that sliced the throat of your little lamb. He goes, you check your spirit. I'm like, why would you check your spirit times like this when you can check your eyes? <laughs> my soul's not doing good. My eyes are, you know, I'm bleeding. And that was where it was the birth of hearing the concept of checking your spirit. Guess what had happened? The little lamb it was a little ram. And he had little horns. You know, little rams, they like to butt, like little boys like to hit heads against everything. And he had knocked his head against the door and had knocked his horn off. And the blood was bleeding around his throat. And then he was slinging blood in every direction. The murder scene was cleared up for us right there. But because of what had happened that day and the pressure, and the little pretty white lamb, all bloody, and Kathy Jo having lived through horror, I didn't even think to check my spirit. <laughs> and so I was going to tell you, if you'll live through my story, because like you said, bar my experience, is I would tell you, check your spirit. Because a lot of times the atmosphere is going crazy around you, and you're going to be dealing with either drama have you ever known people to get into drama? Never. Say amen. Have we lived in the dorms? Drama. <laughs> Did you have all sisters? Drama. <laughs> I don't know. You can meet some of these guys on the internet right now. They're keeping their life drama. <laughs> and if it's not drama, it's trauma. And it sets an atmosphere. And so I'm going to tell you what you have to do around drama and trauma and blood is check your spirit. Because you'll be in an emotional meltdown. You'll be spinning. And I'm telling you, you have a spirit. Check with him and see what he's saying. My mom says it this way. You'll hear, uh-huh or uh-uh. And that's why I want you to locate your spirit because I want you to know where you're going to hear. Because let me tell you something. Your head will not be saying what your spirit is saying. Because <laughs> your head is connected to your eyes, <laughs> your ears. And that's why it's unique where Jesus did not judge by what he saw or what he heard. And I'm going to tell you in life, it's not always as it seems. Learn that early. So how will I learn 
to hear when my emotions were telling me the complete opposite. Now, Dad had worked with me all my life to hear under pressure. But I liked this new term. It wasn't that I hadn't done this. It was I'd never thought of it as that term. And I liked it. Sometimes language can give you a whole new spiritual principle. I like it. And that gave me a whole nother weight. The thing I used to tell myself is learn to hear under pressure. But I like this idea. Check with your spirit. So Steph told me today, she said she had heard me say it. I don't know when. Like she says, people don't do this. She said they don't think of doing it. And she said that it's really kind of what makes you unusual or different from everyone is because you're not into the drama with everyone else. You're not into the emotions with everyone else. You know, in that situation, I was out there, I was working with her, taking her thoughts captive so that she wouldn't faint. I mean, that's where I, I just went immediately into ministry. But it's very unique in life of hearing under pressure, checking with your spirit. And I want to tell you these words because sometimes under pressure, and I was, you know, asking the Lord to hear, sometimes you draw a blank. I mean, sometimes I thought, how could God ever speak to me that clearly when your eyes are telling you something different? So I'm preparing you for it right now. Things are not always as they seem. Ask your spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And so I don't think as Christians we're utilizing this. Because I'm going to tell you, in John 10, 4 and 5, it's it's your verse that says you can hear God speak. This is a little bit different to me. This is not hearing. It's the other word. He said you'll hear my voice, and it says you'll know my voice. This is your knowing gift your spirit it's a little different than hearing it's that like mom said "Uh uh-huh uh-uh like my head's going crazy but my my spirit's peaceful i call it like i have a little knower box and i open the lid sometimes and i feel around it like it you know mom will say it this way i know that i know that i know that i know that i know You have a knower. As a Christian, that's your assurance. You have a knowing. Use it. So your checking the Spirit to me comes more out of your knower. You may not know, like when he called and said, I don't think it is what you think. He didn't know what it was. You had to investigate it to know. But he just knew it wasn't what we thought it was. So it wasn't a word of knowledge where you knew specifically this is what it is. But he knew it wasn't what we were thinking it was. That's a very handy tool to have when you're leading a team, when you're leading a family, when you're just trying to get through this life we live in. So I was going to say, when you're drawing a blank and you can't hear, go to your knower and see what your knower's saying. Check with your knower. Because in your soulish realm, it's trying to speak to you too. Not just your eyes and your ears, but your soul. I'll tell you what gets in your way. Reasoning. Reasoning. People throw me ten things that are reasoning. People give excuses. They give this or that. And it's reasoning. Reasoning. If you're very analytical, you deal with reasoning. It's not the same as hearing God. It's not the same as as your knower. So, remember our story of finding Alicia? My mind was going crazy, saying 300 acres this way, 200 acres this way. I can't get over the fence in Brownwood, at least the landscapes where you can get over the fence. I don't know what they're doing. And this place is so wooded. It, You know, this is a mess. 1,000 acres that have been gridded off. All these men have been looking for, all these women, all these helicopters and equipment. I mean, my mind was saying obnoxious things to me. Reasoning. Reasoning. And Steph said, when you get there, the Lord will show you where she is. Well, it wasn't going to be through my mind, he showed me. So what do you have to do? It's what my dad said, clear your mind so you can hear your spirit. He said it took him between 10 to 20 minutes to get a clear mind. Praying in the spirit.
Brain in the spirit, clears your mind. You gotta get your mind shut down. So twice I went to that bridge and cleared my mind. I even cleared my emotions because I wanted to laugh. And it wasn't the laugh of faith. <laughs> I wanted to laugh at the predicament I was in. Because she hears from me and I have to perform. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I get myself? <laughs> like, I wanted to say how easy it is. But, you know, I had talked to a preacher and I had told him, you know, in the Sodom and Gomorrah story that the angels came to get Lot out, his wife, his daughters, and the son-in-laws. But the son-in-laws didn't make it because they started making jokes. And because they made jokes, they didn't get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I realized that my jokes could be just as demonic as anything else. They could be a covering for doubt. They can be a mask. And you may be funny, but you may be funny to your own detriment. <laughs> I mean, everybody makes fun of Lot's wife. But nobody makes fun of the son-in-law's not even getting a foot out of the door. Because they thought it was a big joke. So I'm telling you, you can joke your way right out of hearing God. And I wanted to make some jokes that day about how did I get stuck. I had some funnies going through my head. So it wasn't just my reasoning talking about the men and the armies that had been swarming this area and how hot it was and how my ride home didn't look secure and just <laughs> all those different things. But there were jokes going into That's me. That's why I just saved the car. <laughs> that is called your soul. And your soul doesn't contact this. It's your natural realm. So you've got to tell it. <laughs> so it makes sense. Psalm 46.10. We always say, be still and know that I am God. Let me tell you what you're saying. Be still so and know that he's God. I'm not talking with you right now reasoning. I'm not going to laugh with you right now personality <laughs> I'm going to believe God because she said I will find him sure. and she's a prophet <laughs> and then brother Jacob said things were going to get easy for me so I'm going to put what he said with what she said and I will find Alicia yeah you had a look on your face when I said the words here she looked at me because we were sitting right there and she goes oh I was okay I was fighting so I know she had some other things she wanted to say. Oh, I have a cute personality. I wanted to use it. I had to say, be still. That's so. That's, so. <laughs> That's my Tivolina. Stroke Sorry, it. Uh -huh. But I mean, this is what goes on inside of you. And I could have missed finding her if I'd leaned to either my emotions or my mind. Because God knows he found her. I mean, like my dad winked at me and told me, he goes, Hinchy, we're pretty ordinary, and you remind me a lot of myself. But he said, when God's on us, we look extraordinary. So we were always got kind of tickled at what God could do through us because we knew how ordinary we were. Don't think our minds are special. Don't think that man hearing God's special. He's going through the same thing you are. Brother Jacob told me he fights spiritual warfare in his head all the time. I had hoped his was perfect. <laughs> you would like to think that. It's not. Get over it. You're going to live with it. You will have to do what I'm telling you to do every day of your life. Mm -hmm. It was a difference between someone living and dying. So be still. And you need to say, shh, be still. Let me give you two theological verses. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. The natural man does not receive what the Spirit's saying. The other verse, because the fleshy mind is the natural mind. The fleshy mind is enmity against God. It's, it, it wants to fight with him. So one thinks it's foolishness. Oh, let me just tell you. It says that God's foolishness is wiser than the wisest man. So the playground of God's mind is harder than the wisest man. So I get into his playground. And that's how easy it is to find her. Yes, what I was doing out there was stupid. It was a stupid, foolish concept to think I could do what equipment, people, training, and all that could do. Except that's where God lives. 
in the impossible realm. And in 15 minutes, we had her in the car. Get into the realm of the spirit. And I was shocked to find out from my dad that his mind is going crazy. But his spirit would tell him something different. That's why we're not hearing. And so many of the church people repeat what their minds say and put God's name on it. Yeah. The fear, the emotions, because they're spiritual, so they put God's name on it. God's very simple. It's very much like a child. You can solve complex problems simply with the Lord. So I'm sticking with Psalm 4610. Be still. Be still, mind. So I just went to the creek twice and spent time there till my mind was still. That's why I wanted to tell the deputies, we found her in five minutes. It was taking me five minutes at the creek one time and five minutes at the creek the second time to get my mind to shut up. The warfare was at the creek <laughs> inside of me. It wasn't searching. That's where the battle is. It's getting everything quietened down where you can hear. That's why being in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, it works. I said peace. Peace. So, reasoning. Hey, yes. When you mentioned, you know, Psalm 46, 10, you know, it says, See, strive and be still in your home. And in the last part of that, the verse says, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. And so, as we're at peace with God and listening to Him, that's where His name's exalted. That's what He did in this situation where He found Alicia. You know, you're at peace before Him. His name's been exalted because of it. You know, that verse goes real well with what Steph got was, you're marvelous in all your doings. Like, this will bring glory to God. And so that's a very good partner. This is the Lord's doing and it's, it's wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a very good thing that if you can get yourself to be still and know that he's God. And I knew it could be just that simple that an old man could tell me, God's going to start making things easier for you. So what does God need from me? Less. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Like you'll start out life and you need to give him all you've got only for later him to tell you pull back some. And he'll show off more. Like, it's unique how he'll work with you at different seasons. Okay, the next thing is on checking with your spirit. Does it set right in me? Does what I'm hearing, does it set right in me? And I'm going to say completely. Like, that's when you know it's the Lord. Because it sets completely right in you. There's peace and joy. It fits like a puzzle. You know, all your life you've been trying to figure out something. Like, you knew something was off. Or you felt something was off. Pay attention to that in your spirit. If something feels off, it's off. Figure out what it is. You've got to pay attention when something doesn't feel right. Even though your mind's not telling you what it is. Just ask the Lord, show me what it is. So peace is, there's the power of peace in your life. And I'm going to tell you this, nothing can substitute for peace. You have got to learn to guard your peace. Learn to walk in peace. Nothing substitutes for your peace. Go back to go, start over. If you're trying to hear God and you can't get yourself peaceful. With fear going through your head and crazy emotions, you can't go back to the creek. (laughs) Tell everything, shh. (laughs) Because you can't hear if you're not in peace. I had one girl and she'd never been in peace in her life. She was like Maria. And when Maria, I prayed for her, she said she knew that it was the Holy Spirit that had come into her life with the the clothing part of the Holy Spirit because she said that she immediately had peace she had never had. I mean, Maria was jumpy, nervous, spastic. My gosh, she was restless, everything. And we sat in a rainy car right out there in front of the coffee house and the power of God hit her and she had never felt peace like that. There are people who have never felt this and they're Christians. And that's why I'm saying gather that peace in your life because you can be quiet and 
not talkative and still not have peace. I'm talking about core peace. You can't duplicate peace. Getting a peace about circumstances in your life. Like, how long do you pray in the morning? Let me tell you, pray till you get peace on the circumstance that you're worried about. Pray till you get peace on the person that's giving you a hard time. You pray till you get peace, and then you can leave. How long does that take? That's why sometimes I'll tell you, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, two hours, you know. You're praying until you push into peace. I think C.S. Lewis said something about it. It feels like wild animals coming towards you in the mornings, like your thoughts, and especially the environment we're living in. Like, I mean, how far out does peace have to go? I mean, it's like everything around us looks complicated. So you're getting peace in your circumstances before you face them. This is called prevention. I am into prayer as prevention. Most people don't. They pray when they're in the middle of the mess or after it's struck. No, pray first. Pray prevention. This is what it is. You pray till there's peace. And then it's amazing how well your day works out. This is flowing in the Spirit. This is walking in the Spirit. This is what makes you a notch above everyone else. This is where the day that you dreaded the most works out to be better and more glorious than any day you had. It's because you handled it in your prayer closet and you prayed to your circumstances lined up with God's Word and they went under your feet. So, Isaiah 55, 12 is your great scripture. It says you will be led by your peace. Your joy, you'll be led. Like what? 55-12. So check your spirit. You know, Jesus would sometimes be troubled in his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit telling you something's up. Something's wrong. When my spirit's peaceful, sometimes my mind didn't. So peace that passes human understanding. Philippians 4-17. This is one we've been meditating on. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I to you. And I'd never thought about it like this till one day Steph said, pay attention to that verse. Jesus is saying the same peace he had on earth he's going to give to you. I'm like, can I walk in the same peace Jesus did? For a minute? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're like, can I walk in that much peace? John 14, 27. It's not what the world giveth. Someone said, if the world doesn't give it, it can't take it away from you. Like, if the world didn't give you whatever it is, then the world's circumstances can't take your peace away from you. My peace I give to you. Yes? Also, it'll look funny to everybody else who doesn't have it. That's what Steph was telling me. That's what's going to make you look more abnormal. Because she was talking about when I was in high school, I sold out to God my junior year, so I was already walking in these principles. Even at 13, I had started working on these principles. Why have teenage rebellion? Why go into captivity? Like my dad goes, rebellion's under the curse, so we're not going to have any teenage rebellion. And he read to me about the curses, and who would want to be one of those? <laughs> we're going to skip that. And so all you need is your dad to come in and say, we're not going to have any rebellion. And we skip that. He didn't want to counsel it. <laughs> yeah. One lady said, we're just not going to go there. And so that is where you take the time to develop these. And I promise you, it will make you more and more different than the world who is chaotic, <laughs> stressful, but when they have trouble, they'll come to you. You know, because you are solid, solid, solid. So when my head is peaceful and my heart isn't, now this is opposite. I told you sometimes my spirit, or most of the time my spirit's peaceful, and my mind isn't. What on earth am I talking about that my head could have peace and my heart doesn't? What do I mean by that? You know what it is? One time I made a decision based on this concept, and I realized the decision I made did not give me peace even though I thought it was God, claimed it was God. Relief. It took the pressure off. And as soon as I made the decision, I realized I didn't make a decision for peace. I made a decision for relief. <laughs> it wasn't going to give me peace, but it was going to give me relief. You have a few regrets with relief. 
Y'all, so much of what we call peace. I would hate to say 98% of the church is calling relief peace. I had a girl tell me the other day, well, I went over and I visited with someone and we laughed a lot, so that was God. Then we went over again, we laughed a lot, and that was God. I went over the third time and, you know, something was expected of me to have to do. So I knew I didn't hear God going. So anytime something's hard, it's not God. Anytime it's easy and you laugh a lot, then it is. That's the church. No wonder we don't get any problem solved or anything done. Doors. The answer doesn't live in... Yeah. So what are we doing? We are looking for relief, not peace. Peace solves the problem. Peace is strong. It comes like a sword at times. It can make for conflict. Peace is unique. I mean, we could do a whole lesson on peace. So I'm telling you, don't get a false peace or you'll be in the book of Jeremiah, won't you? <laughs> so what I'm telling you is my spirit is peaceful, my mind isn't. That's normal. But if my spirit is troubled and my mind didn't, I've taken a shortcut that God wasn't in. <laughs> I feel like I just got the pressure off. <laughs> I did something to give myself R-E-L-I-E-F. Take this little pill, I feel better. Relief. Okay. So, you heard my statement. Does it set right in me completely? Because relief won't set right in you. Peace will. In your core. Does it set right in me completely? Listen to this. Does it set right in me? Completely not. How can both be true? There's some things in the Bible that are absolutes. Certainty, absolute. There are some things in the Bible called paradoxes. Those are men. No, those are... <laughs> All the men will go, those are women. <laughs> they say there's... It's two sides of a ladder on paradoxes. So that's what I just gave to you there. I thought this is interesting to think, does it set right in me? Completely. Does it set right in me? Completely not. It goes against every natural instinct I've ever had. It's another world. It's what makes you seem crazy. It's actually getting away from self. Away from what you would normally do. I admire people who do things that are not what they normally would do. I respect people that do something towards the Lord that goes totally against their grain. You have someone that's scared out of their mind to public speak. They'll get up on the pulpit with a microphone and they'll give it all they've got. They feel like they're climbing on the altar. <laughs> what you feel like. I was trying to decide if I was going to make it in the Philippines, <laughs> but I'm going to make it here. That literally, it's somebody that's shy, cannot speak, tell God I'll never public speak. And they'll take the microphone and they'll lay it all down. They'll give God every word in their body. And there's people like that that in the natural, if they'd lived their life without God, they would just be quiet. But because they got the power of the Holy Ghost on them, they're bold. And they'll be what they're not inclined to be. So I'm going to talk to you a minute about what you're not inclined to be. Because this is what it's about. Does it sit right in you? Uh-uh. It hurts. It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding. It's tearing my flesh off my bones. Who put me in this Bible study? Where was the door? I don't need one. I'll make one. I am leaving this place. No, I didn't sign up for this. Going against your grain. And this is where I would say it separates the men from the boys. This is the strength of you when you do something that you would not normally do because you love the Lord. Because you found treasure. Because God was so good to you, you've got to get it to other people. Is it painful? Yeah, you'll cry. So, you know, we've talked about curriculum development, that there's certain stages you're at, and you give God what you want Him to have. It's the Cain offering, to give God only what you want Him to have. He always looks at what you're not wanting Him to have. <laughs> That's the next area of sellout. <laughs> What's the next area of sellout? What you're not wanting Him to have. What you're hiding from me when the altar call comes. Yeah. So doing something totally against what you're inclined to do. People won't understand you at all here. You'll have every relative in your family trying to talk you out of it. It makes no sense. So I'm going to give you a verse for it. 
it's a fun one. Don't you enjoy Bible stories you might not have ever heard or thought much about? Don't hear preached often. It's 1 Samuel 6, 10 through 11, let's say. And it's following your spirit versus the pool of relationships. And it's talking about doing stuff that isn't your normal inclination. And some of you are waiting on finding yourself to sell out. But the truth is you've got to sell out in order to find yourself. Mm-hmm. And I started tasting that. You know, like, I've sold out at, at different times in my life. And I felt like I sold out my whole self at those times. But they were pieces. Like, I told God, I will never public speak. <laughs> he took note, didn't he? And I know you're afraid to sell out because you think you'll be in a hut in Africa. Oh, God, you'll tell me never to marry. (laughs) God, I can't give you my parents. You'll kill them. Those are the voices of reasoning of not selling out. So, you only have to get nearing to find out that's just the opposite. If you lose it, you gain it. And that means you... He's not trying to get you to put your parents on the altar or your boyfriend on the altar. He's trying to get you to put you on the altar. (laughs) We keep giving him things, (laughs) things that are meaningful. But he's really, it's really you. Okay, so 1 Samuel 6, this is commentary. It's a unique story, and I'm going to give you a background. The Philistines have stolen the Ark of the Covenant. They have it in their possession. And now they realize... We need to get rid of it. It's not what we thought. I have found things that were very valuable and then at a certain point thought I need to get rid of it or I'll have no team left. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you have the Ark of the Covenant in the wrong hands. (laughs) I thought it was a miracle every day I pulled up and Lisa was still in there. (laughs) I thought it was a miracle that no No one was dead. still there. I was like, oh, Lord, they're a young team. Help them, help them. Help them. I don't know if I could pass this test. Help them. I'll go sleep on the couch. Help them, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice. She slept on the couch. <laughs> yeah. I walked through that door. How would the Philistines get rid of the Ark of the Covenant? Sometimes there's just things you need to get rid of. That's where they were. So verse 1 through 6, the priests of the Philistines suggest a way to relieve themselves of the burden of the Ark. They wanted R-E-L-I-E. Yeah. They wanted relief. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, let's bring in our witchcraft people and our, and our religious, and let's let the two work together, and what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. So they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel... They said, let me give you a little advice. Don't send it away empty. It's the law of the country. If someone's giving you a dish, return it with some nice baked food in it. That's exactly this thinking. Don't return the ark empty. That's what the witchcraft people gave them some advice. But by all means, return it to him with a trespass offering. (laughs) We're sorry, and you put a trespass offering. And then their own people tell them, then you will be healed. Because all these plagues have come up on you for having this thing. And they go, how can we be exactly sure that the plagues are because of this ark? So they decide to test it. So there's a little interesting thing in the Jews about testing everything. But the Arabs seem to have a similar relative that might have had some of this DNA in them. <laughs> you know. So, so then you'll be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Like the spanking just keeps on happening. Then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? Now, if you don't know this scripture, this is one you've got to know in your Bible. I mean, if this scripture does not serve you well, they answered. And if anybody could guess it without knowing it, you would legitimately get a prize. But they answered, we need five golden tumors and five golden rats. Now, you know that's witchcraft talking right there that they decide that their offering is five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. Well, just bless their soul. Isn't it funny what people give God? 
we'll give the art back, but we've got to send uh, lima beans and liver or something back with it. I mean, this is what they're sending to God. I just don't think you could get something that funny. I don't know what a tumor looks like. Ugly. But God had given it to them, so they're going to give it back to him in, in gold, they're thinking. So what should we do with the Ark of the Lord? When the Philistines first captured the Ark of the Covenant, they thought it was a great victory. But by this time, the Philistines began to regard it as a burden, not a trophy. Some people feel it that about their wives. <laughs> I just told you I don't like marriage counseling. We've got to do the best we can in those pre-stages so there's less work for... See you later. Uh, Alright, keep going. It's getting good and it? it's getting deep. Okay, so why did they keep it seven months at all? Because they were reluctant to give up such a wonderful trophy of what they first felt like was a great victory over the God of Israel. Like, don't give up the good woman in a hurry. I mean, let's stay married to her 25 years and then we'll... Okay, so... <laughs> wow. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, this is a funny passage. I like it. Okay, so let's keep the trophy a little while. And it can take a long time before realizing the futility of resisting God. I told you my jokes can get me in trouble. I have to look at stuff and just go, yes, whatever God told you we will do. <laughs> okay, so by all means, return it with a trespass offering. So we know the plague involved tumors because of 1 Samuel 5, 6, 9, and 12. Gives you a little reference. Now listen to what they hitched up, literally. This is their idea to test the theory of was this chance or are they really in trouble. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked up. Here the Philistines conducted an experiment. They thought all the calamity of the plagues was from the Lord God of Israel, but they weren't 100% sure that these were the consequences of being bad. So they devised the test. Men are almost always reluctant to repent, and they guard against repenting unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in that spot, you have not been to Steph's repenting meetings because she says, just in case, repent anyway. And then while you're repenting, just keep on repenting, and you'll repent your toenails up. And then after you've repented your toenails up, you repent for your grandma's sins. I mean, you're going to repent. Yes, you are. But this is not your natural inclination. Why repent if it's not necessary? Now, isn't this human nature? And this is non-sold out right here. And this is where a lot of people live. I don't need to tell God I'm sorry if it's not necessary. He knows my heart. <laughs> and my intentions. He knows my intentions. Well, you better talk it out. <laughs> so the test was simple and guess what they stacked it against God they stacked the deck by nature two milk cows which have never been yoked should not pull a cart at all have you ever tried to just take two animals that have never pulled anything Yep. it's like tying two foxes together and hoping they go in the right direction it's like getting two milk cows that that has not been their duties and they have their job description that does not fit it and they're not going to do it. Employees like that, those cows. <laughs> Instead, they should have normally been pitching and pulling against their yoke and just had a fit and sat down. I mean, just torn them to bit. I mean, there was nothing about two cows that have never been yoked. But this is the plan. But let's take it one step further. How can we make this even harder? Well, we're going to take their calves away from them. We're going to get two milk cows that have never been yoked that have babies. And we're going to hide the babies. So the maternal instinct of the cows would draw them not towards Israel. Because the test was, if the cows take the cart back to Israel, then we'll know it was God. Because that's where he wanted the cart. 
but we're going to make it impossible for him every step of the way. We're going to give him two women that don't want to have a cart tied to them and have good reason not to go because their babies are back in the stall. The Philistines devised a test that forced the God of Israel to do something miraculous to demonstrate that he really wanted them to take the stolen ark back to Israel. What an interesting test we men devised for God. Now they were smart. They put the articles of gold, which you're returning to him as a trespass offering, in a chest beside the ark. The Philistines were wise enough not to open up the Ark of the Covenant. We've all seen Indiana Jones. We know what happens. (laughs) The Israelis were not as smart as the Philistines. We'll let that go. I think 57,000 died in this little thing. You would have been happy for it not to come to your city when you read what the Israelites did. But the Philistines were smart. They were wise enough, don't open it, give God the tumors and the five golden rats beside it. He'll be pleased. Certainly, the Arabs were very curious about what was in the ark, like any person would be. Let's just lift the lid. We can make a movie about this. I feel like in the future they will. I mean, you know what they were thinking. But they did not let their curiosity lead them to more trouble. They didn't. No more consequences. They'd had enough. It had been a bad plague. (laughs) The tumors were all over them and the rats, I mean, I'm telling you, their women were running. I mean, no telling what was happening. It was a (laughs) COVID-19. It is. It's a bizarre plague. So then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. They should not have done this. The cows should resist the yoke because they were never harnessed. They should head back for the Philistine homes out of concern for their young calves, but they headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. God didn't leave this up to chance. Not only were they headed straight for the road, they did not turn aside to the right or the left. They walked straight. They didn't meander around the way. They went straight where they were supposed to go. This was a remarkable miracle. Two cows who never pulled a cart before, either alone or together, no driver led them, yet they left home. They marched 10 miles or so to a city they had never been to. 10 miles. Put your toddler out on the road, test this theory. Will it work? (laughs) They left their own calves behind and went straight to a certain road with never a wrong turn, never a stop, never turning aside in the field. To feed themselves, never turning back to feed their own calves. As the cows went to the road back to Israel, we can imagine the Israelites mourning over the loss of the ark that they probably were crying out to God right at that moment. And here it comes. The Israelites and the Philistines both had resisted God. So the Lord found a few cows to carry the ark of his glory. The point that I'm making is, A cow will go with natural instincts to his calf. There's no way not. He'll feed himself. Herself. herself. He'll give milk. Is that better? (laughs) (laughs) So the cow goes with the natural instincts. Like that is why you have instincts. Do you follow your instincts? Because it's the natural. One of the top three of the strongest instincts on the face of the earth that they've studied out is maternal instincts. And this was tested. You got family instincts. The cows felt like going back for their calves. I mean, you can't break mama from baby. This thing had ever reason to fail. And yet, y'all, when you get the glory of God on you, you'll have a girl come into this Bible study And all she's ever wanted to do is be in a relationship. She's been in a relationship since she was in kindergarten all the way through. Maybe she's never been in a relationship in her life. And she wants a relationship. And that's all she can think about. But she meets God. And she'll go the opposite direction than her instinct. Because she's found something she loves. And in losing your life, you'll gain it. Because I've never seen the Lord leave you empty. He won't. 
but you got to go towards him. Where are you going against your instincts? Because if your instincts are driving you, you only get to the natural. You get the grass who withers, the, the cow who fadeth, <laughs> the money who faileth. So strong that following your spirit will cause you to go against everything you know. What is this? What is it that does it? Every time this happens, it's a testimony to the power of God. We always talk about the places you're failing in life, the places you haven't given to God. But right now, think about some things that you have given to God that are causing you to do what you have never thought you could do because you're going towards God. Think of how much you have given to God. Think about how much you have done some things that were not in your instincts, not your natural grain, not your natural way you'd spend a Tuesday night, not the natural way, but something drives you. It's only an ark on your back that can make you do this. It's only when you're carrying the glory can you do this. It'll take you against your instincts. So, in summary, we've been studying the self-card. That you go up to the door, you want to open the door, you slip the, the card in the door and it opens. And so many times we're slipping the self into the door and calling it ministry. Instead of the spirit. And this is what we're missing out on. Why would you do this? This is so much better. Your spirit. Check with it. Because your emotional side, your reasoning side goes crazy. Does it set right in me? I can answer wholeheartedly. Yes, this sets right in me. This is set right in me. I can answer wholeheartedly, no, it completely does not set right in me. <laughs> and they're both true. So, the spirit. It's amazing what it does. It's, it's a testimony to the love of God, the power of God, the will of God. That thing that draws you to him that nothing else can. The Israelites and the Philistines did it wrong. They did it with their reasoning. They did it with their flesh. A little superstition. A few trinkets for God. Just give our gold to him. They were all over the place. The religious Philistines, the religious Israelites. But the cows followed the Spirit of God. It's really amazing, isn't it? And you are that cow following the Spirit of God. The glory of God will take you places you never dreamed you'll go. <laughs> the glory of God will take you there. And it will defy what everyone predicted. The side bets on your life. In six months you'll not be doing this anymore. I guarantee you won't be following God. You'll learn I'm right. Common sense would tell you I'm right. But the glory of God will take you to glory. It'll take you to places that you would never dream. Check with your spirit. Amen. Open for comments. So your spirit can be like an alert system, even whenever your eyes and ears and stuff in the natural, everything looks normal. You know, everything can look like it's going along fine and all of a sudden something just feels a little funny. Hey, I mean, you got to watch it because sometimes it may be feel a little funny. It's an emotional chaos atmosphere. Sometimes it feels funny because your spirit has antennas and is picking up its trouble. And Jesus' spirit got troubled. That's why I'm telling you, switch to your spirit. Your spirit has these emotions. It's the same thing with the Spirit of God. It's your sweet spot. It's, it's your zone where you're wind. It's, it, it gets you out of your natural. And just that guy telling me, check your spirit, 
gave me another whole way of looking at discernment or being attuned to that area of my body. <laughs> because this is screaming, your head's screaming, your thoughts are screaming, all this is... I've got the girl who, she was crying, she, you know, she, when she saw the scene, she was passing out. Not manifesting, I wouldn't call that manifesting, I would say the devil trying to take, her out. Yeah. take a bruise and hit her heart. I mean, I'd already been struggling with her all week, mm. but I was hurting for her. I mean, it was a doozy of a day. The whole day just thought, this is, it's, we're ending with this exclamation mark. They told us they were going to come to our home and get us. They said that. Mm -hmm. We thought they had come. And got something. <laughs> mm -hmm. We thought there was going to be something worse behind the door. <sighs> so that was my training ground for Check Your Spirit. And I was so shocked on the call where he goes, I don't sense that's what it is in my spirit. And he asked me, he got me on the phone, he's put Angie on the phone. He goes, have you checked your spirit? And I thought, check my spirit. I'm checking 30 people's spirits. They're all manifesting <laughs> around me. <laughs> Get home. <laughs> Amen.